In the name of Jesus, amen. The quiet buzz of traffic is only interrupted by laughing, shrieking children, playing on a playground that's been newly constructed, gleaming, glistening playground equipment in a beautiful, safe, secure environment. Towering over that, that nice, brand new playground buildings, rising up into the sky, bustling businesses on the ground floor, elegant apartment buildings with all the amenities, all the technological advances stacked up on top. Rows after rows of buildings, and, and between them, these, these direct, efficient avenues feeding into an efficient network of highways connecting other brand new, newly rebuilt cities. The economy is booming. Schools are filled. And best yet, no foreign influences. No troops. No tanks. No mortar shells exploding in the middle of a day. No missile strikes shaking the ground in the middle of the night. Freedom. From a foreign power trying to dictate interior affairs. Freedom from fear. Absence. Large-scale death and destruction. It was hard for most of us to imagine a modern European nation being invaded by another until just recently. And so it's hard. Even analysts, even, even experts who, who have to have, who, who are paid to have opinions on these kind of things, don't understand, don't have a good prediction of how this is going to end. And so if you don't know how the war in Ukraine is going to end, it's hard to picture what, what a post-war Ukraine might actually look like. Might it be built back even stronger? The fabric of the society even more resilient than it was before? Nation coming out even better after experiencing the horrors and devastation of war. Challenging to picture in your mind a positive outcome of what, what that might look like when you're in the middle of a conflict. I imagine those Ukrainian fighters, they aren't picturing ahead. They're, they're just trying to prevent something even worse, defending their, their homeland, from the, trying to protect their, their families, their neighbors from, from the horrors of what might come from an occupation. But, but if they could be assured of victory, how much more would that give life to the fight? If they knew that out of all of this sacrifice, they would get prosperity. On the other side of war, there would be peace. It could only serve to stiffen their resolve to keep fighting. Revelation chapter 7 gives God's people such a picture, not, not of combat, uh, not of conflict between nations, but a picture of the church of God. 
In theological terms, this is when the church militant becomes the church triumphant. Or in basic terms, this is when God's people are being supported by the Lamb of God throughout all of our earthly struggles. When we go through all the hardships that are just part of being being believers in the middle of this earthly struggle, when, when our victorious Lamb brings us successfully through to the other side, when we enjoy the peace and the security that is won for us by the victory of Jesus. And so... It is our primary objective through all of our current struggles to stay focused, to keep the Lamb's victory in sight. The goal of this section of Revelation is is perseverance for God's people, providing encouragement for our daily callings in faith, knowing that victory will be ours in the end through Jesus. The Lord, the Lord Jesus gives this little glimpse, this little peek into heaven to St. John. So, so he knows how it's all going to go. It's, it goes like this. After, the, I looked, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. Success! of the gospel. The good news of Jesus has gone out into all the world. It has crossed every ethnic and geographic barrier. Salvation in Jesus is is theirs. So many barriers and obstacles between people have been broken down and united. A new unity through faith in Jesus. And in that unity, joining together to to sing a song of victory, they they are wearing white robes and we're holding palm branches in their hand. Their their full-time occupation has become serving and praising God. But there's a contrast. The scene of God's people dressed in purity, enjoying the blessings of his uninterrupted dominion come, come later. That's not the current experience for God's people. No one has to tell you that we're not in paradise yet. That's one of those paradoxes of the Christian faith. We we live in that tension between the already and the not yet. Already we have victory through Jesus' Easter resurrection. Not yet. Do we get to enjoy that? without interruption, without interference, in, in eternal bliss in heaven. Now, now we face struggles. One of the elders witnessing this heavenly scene um, enlightens St. John. He says, these, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's not theirs yet. First, we have to go through the great tribulation. Now, you know from talking to other Christian friends that the book of Revelation is one of those books that trips people up all the time. And if we ask 10 different Bible scholars from different various backgrounds what the great tribulation is, we would get 10 different answers. And, and I don't want to go into all the background. We don't have time to dig into that 
here, but the, the biggest shorthand is, is understanding the great tribulation is that time period between Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven and when he returns again in glory. So, so maybe not thinking of, it as, thinking of it as one big event, but as waves of, of differing intensity of struggles for God's people. We, we feel a sense of tribulation when, when, we, when we look at how our world seems to have gone crazy. Even, even when we try to block out those big picture societal problems, those global conflicts that are hard for us to, to ignore, we, we see challenges for God's people. We, we feel like we're in the middle of this epic conflict and we wonder how things can possibly resolve for the benefit of God's people. We, we see those conflicts on a much smaller, more personal scale. Not, not just how difficult it is to live boldly and confidently as God's people in an in increasingly godless society, but, but how do you live out your God-giving calling in a marriage that is less and less healthy? How, how do you how do you carry out your calling in a friendship that is more and more one-sided when you feel like you're giving and you're giving and you're giving and you're not getting anything back? When you can just sense that in your own family the priority of God's will and God's word is just slipping away. When you feel that tension between acquaintances and coworkers, that when there's some kind of Christian values that come up in conversation, when, when because of those hot-button topics, you, you out yourself as a Bible-believing Christian. It's a good time for us to wonder, what would a mother, what would a mother say? What would a mother do? When the fourth grader is struggling with the spelling test, what does mother do? When the sixth grader is having trouble getting started on that essay, what, is, what does mother do? When the, when the high schooler isn't getting any playing time on the softball team, what, is, what does mother say? Sometimes when things get hard, we have to do hard things. When things aren't easy, we have to rise to those challenges. We have to we have to struggle and strive and we have to get through those difficult days and we have to come out knowing that we're going to come out on the other end even stronger. This whole section of the book of Revelation is written so that God's people will persevere. So we embrace our identity as God's children and ultimately enjoy God's victory. We know that the alternatives are not pretty. If we give up and we give in, we miss out on the Lamb's victory. If, if we pretend that it's not that bad and we can just go along with the flow of our society, we will be easy pickings for the enemy. If we rely on ourselves and on our own strength and on our own ingenuity, we will miss out on experiencing the victory of a Lamb. 
about a week and a half ago, our, our district pastors met for a district pastors conference in New Orleans. It might not be shocking to you to learn that the most interesting part wasn't the theological papers or the reports on ministry activity, although I do enjoy those. It, it was a Zoom call. A Zoom call with 100 plus pastors on one end and one pastor on the other end, the bishop of the Ukrainian Lutheran Church. And he, he got to tell us firsthand what they are experiencing. It just sounds like what we hear on the news is just the tip of the iceberg. How, how he was giving advice to, to pastors and, and to church members, uh, telling them to evacuate when things were getting close. A, a pastor who said, we're just a small village, they won't worry about us, I'll just stay in my home, and then the tanks rolled in, and he barely escaped. How, how he was there and, and encouraging his people and offering prayers and offering devotions and, and trying to support them, and thankfully, none of the churches and none of the members so far have lost their lives, have lost their property. Many have lost properties, but none of the churches have been lost. And then he, and then he gave us something else that made me think a little bit more. He says, we know what's going to happen if we are captured, because in the 1940s, when the Soviets came through, they didn't treat the Protestants so well. His own grandfather was tortured and executed for the crime of being a Lutheran teacher. And it makes you think, what would you say? What, what, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's experiencing that kind of grave danger? What would you encourage them to do for, for when, when their, their crime is being Ukrainian and being Lutheran? When you finally realize that maybe you're overthinking things, you, you would come up with a half dozen answers right off the top of your head. In, in, in such a crisis, you should spend even more time in prayer. You should open your Bible and, and seek God's word and God's comfort. You should, you should spend time in meditation and you should, whenever... It is humanly possible whenever it's absolutely safe that you should gather together with God's people to find mutual support and encouragement. You should, you should listen to the, as many online devotions as you can. You should call the, those, those vulnerable Christians. You should offer support and you should, you should offer the assistance. And if, you know, and if you know what someone else should do, in an extreme crisis like a war, then you know what you should do for the relatively minor conflicts that you are facing as God's people today. St. John saw that image of heaven, and the words of their song of praise are important. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They gave credit to God for his rescue. The Lamb is the one who brings those people through the great tribulation. These are they who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For all of your struggles, you need the Lamb. 
Because in all your struggles, you, you surely realize how often you have failed. How often you have crumbled under pressure. How often you have contributed to the messy relationships. How, how often you have been just as much to blame for those frayed friendships. How often you have failed to be that one consistent voice, to be a consistently Christian influence in your family, how, how infrequently you have stood tall for Christian values when it wasn't convenient. And for all your blemishes, and for all your sins, you need the Lamb. You need His unblemished life offered as a sacrifice on your behalf. You need the cleansing purification of the blood of Jesus. Christ clothes you with his holiness. And, and, and Jesus holds before you his own struggle so that you can claim his victory. Jesus points you to his perseverance so you can stand strong in him. That Jesus was rejected by the, by the people he came to save. He was mocked and ridiculed by the people he came to deliver. His mistreatment at the hands of the rulers, the people who should have embraced him. Jesus wants you to see it all. And then Jesus wants you to know that he went through it all and he went through it for you. He did the hard work of suffering in your place. He came out the other side when he conquered death. And now the Lamb stands victorious at the center of the throne. And it might be hard to picture what that will be like someday when Jesus calls you home. But you have something better than knowing how the war in Ukraine will be resolved. You know that you have a final home in heaven. A home that will be free of tears and pain. That will be devoid of sadness. You will be well fed and preserved by your Savior. You will experience complete release from every aspect of evil. You will be there in perfect bliss at your God's side. And so God's people today are called to fight, even if we don't know exactly how God will get us through all of these struggles. God's children are called to persevere in the confidence of the ultimate victory of the Lamb, to continue overcoming hardships and struggles and challenges without completely comprehending how God will bring us home. But through all your struggles, to stay focused, to keep the Lamb's victory in sight. Amen.